Hey, I'm Pastor Mike, and thank you so much for taking time to check out this message. And I hope that it inspires you. I hope it pushes you either towards a relationship with Jesus or further along in your relationship with Jesus. But we would never want this message to replace the reality of what it means to be involved with a local church. Although I'm excited that you're checking this out and I, and I hope it speaks to you, let me encourage you that you need to be involved in a local body. There's something to the fact that you need to be under the authority of the spiritual lead of a pastor and involved in a community that can push you uh, further along. We are meant to be in community. So enjoy this message, but let me encourage you to be seeking an opportunity to be involved with a local church. to jump into this topic today because we're doing asking for a friend and if I'm honest I I fudged on this one a little bit and what I mean by that is uh, we're answering questions that you asked well I took a couple of your questions and we're like well that could kind of be in this direction and that could kind of because I really felt the Holy Spirit telling me I needed to talk about this today I don't know if you read the news or saw the news, but another young pastor uh, committed suicide this week. 30-year-old young man. I mean, stud, like cool dude. Like I want to be as cool as him. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. Just got the cool glasses and the cool stuff. I mean, just beautiful young wife, young kid. And he was an advocate for depression and suicide prevention. As a matter of fact, this week... He got up and he went and he did a funeral for someone who committed suicide. He actually performed the funeral service. And then that night, he took his own life. And so I want to talk a little bit today about something that I think is probably the biggest epidemic in the United States right now, and that's depression. That's mental illness. Um, and and, and I, I need to say this to you up front. I'm not an expert on this, but I just want to share a few things that, that I've learned and some things I've been reading and, and kind of some research that, that, that I, I have come across. And, and I'll just tell you, I cannot lead you out of depression. But what I can do is I can lead you to God. And my God can do all things. And so that's what I'm trusting and believing in your, in your life today, in your heart. That I'm going to try to guide you towards a Heavenly Father that loves you right where you are. That He looks at you and He says, it's okay to not be okay. And that... He wants something in your heart to just change today. He, want, he wants to, to break a stronghold or something inside of you. For those of you who look in the mirror and you struggle with what you see, then he might change your vision just a little bit today to hear his purpose. That's, that's my heart. So let's talk about depression just a little bit. Let me give you a definition that, that I found. So depression says this. Depression, a mood disorder characterized by, and he, and he, okay, that word, I couldn't get it out. 
Let me tell you what that word means. It means the inability to have pleasure. In other words, you get to the point where, and I've seen this, and especially I've seen teenagers like this, where nothing gets them excited anymore. Nothing brings joy anymore. Everything's just kind of, and, and, and maybe you can understand that feeling where something great happens and you're like, why, why am I not excited, right? It says extreme sadness, poor concentration, sleep problems, loss of appetite and a feeling of guilt, helplessness and hopelessness. I think when you read that de- definition, that's all of us. That's every single one of us in this room. That's every single one of you that might be watching this on video. It's all of us. Depression or mental illness, though, has a stigma, right? It's, it has a stigma. Like if, I, if, I, if, if somebody had come up here this morning and said, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in for Pastor Mike because he's got the flu. And they had started teaching. You'd have been like, oh, man, I feel bad for Pastor Mike. I'm going to pray for him. Hey, I'm going to call him and bring you some chicken soup, right? But if somebody had come up here this morning and said, hey, I'm filling in for Pastor Mike uh, because he's fighting depression this morning. It's a whole different response to that inside of us. There's a stigma. There's something, and, and, and I think we need to change that. I think we need to change the concept of that it's, it's okay to have a physical illness, but it's not okay to have a mental illness. Because I'll tell you this, there's not a person in this room that doesn't have some form of mental illness. Every single one of us. Now, don't look at the person next to you and yell, yeah, no kidding. That's not what I meant. Right? I mean you. I mean the reality that, that this is, this is, this is and, and so, listen, it's not a sin to be sick or ill. It's not, it's not a sin to, to, to be mentally ill. It's something we need to address. It's something our country needs to address. It's something we as the church need to address. But it's just not a fun topic, right? It's not the whole, bless me, we're going to go home and get a check in the mail type of message. And so we don't like to talk about it so much. And yet we we need to. I, I need to talk about it. I need to say this for those of you who battle depression, and I'm really talking to all of us. It's not an identity either. It, it, it doesn't define who you are. It's a scenario that you're going through. And I just need to say it again. It's okay to not be okay. Look at your neighbor and say, it's okay to not be okay. That person on the other side, apparently you don't think is worthy of that. But I'm kidding. Listen, it's okay. We have to make it okay for people to, to feel safe to share struggles. The problems come when we pretend that everything is fine. Right? Robin Williams? Right? We we look at a scenario like that and we go, like he looks like the happiest guy on the planet. And yet obviously somewhere he was stuffing things down in and not talking about what was really going on on the inside on his soul. And I think that's true for us. And it's especially true for us men. Come on, men. Because our culture tells us you got to be the man, right? You got to, you got to, you got it all. You got to, come on. When the reality is, is there's not a man in here that sometimes doesn't feel like a little boy playing man. 
that doesn't feel like I don't have a clue how to respond right now. And something inside of us says, that means there must be something wrong with me. And then the voices start and then the words start and we start telling ourselves these lies that are just not true. So I I was doing a little bit of research and reading a little bit. And there's a guy named Stephen Illardi who wrote The Depression Cure. And I just want to pull this quote out of his book. It says this, listen, listen, listen. We were never designed for sedentary, indoor, socially isolated, fast food laden, sleep deprived, frenzied pace of modern life. We were never designed for that. And yet, boy, in that, isn't that the, the reality? And he, he goes on in his book to say that it's actually reshaping the way our brains work. It's actually reshaping our minds and, and how we think. And a, and a big part of this description, and, and I just got a few thoughts, and these are me. It's okay if you disagree, but, you know, one of the big problems is cell phones and social media. We're using it too much, you guys. And young people, please hear me. Put it down sometimes. Put, use the, the app that tells you how much time or limits. Put the limit on yourself. Because the research shows that our culture, let me say it this way. The research shows that a culture that gets out into the sunlight and gets their hands dirty suffers exponentially less mental health issues. Come on, old people, remember the good old days? We used to get outside, play kick the can. Anybody remember kick the can? You just found some cans, you know, could have been some old green bean cans out of the garbage can, right? Or whatever kind of thing. And we played kick the can and we got outside and we got dirt under our fingernails, right? <laughs> My girls played out a lot. We made them. We just locked the door. And <laughs> that wasn't a joke. Don't laugh. They're scarred. They're counseling. But anyway, so, but seriously, they would go out into the woods and play and the whole nine yards. And I'll never forget. I'm pretty sure it was Ayana. They were young. And I was kind of being a sarcastic and she comes running, dad, dad, I got a big cut on my leg here. And she had a little cut and it wasn't bleeding, bleeding, but had a little blood, you know, kind of thing. And I was like, oh, rub some dirt on it. You know, I was being smart Alex. So she grabbed some dirt, rubbed it on it and took off into the woods. Guess what? She lived. <laughs> right? Listen, listen. So, so the reality being, I, I think the, the cell phone, the screen, these screens, You know, our whole lives are about screens, right? And can I just encourage you that maybe, because here's what I've also come to know about mental health, the more that I've been reading and and kind of studying to prepare. Mental health issues and depression issues, listen to me, they are lifestyle related disease. It's a lifestyle related disease. In other words, it's the way we live our lives that contribute to the struggle that we have inside of our brains and our minds. And so it's the the cell phone and all. It's also, number two would be lack of identity. This is why you're going to hear us say purpose, 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 purpose here at Church of the Lakes. Because so many of us struggle with any kind of identity, so we go chasing after so many other things, which is probably why we're doing the screen. Because do you know the easiest place to change your identity? Social media. 
You can be whoever you want to be. Right? There, there's a whole TV show. Some of your older folks may not have heard of it, but there's a whole TV show called Catfish. You ever seen Catfish? Catfish is an entire TV show dedicated to people who get together online and start communicating online and fall in love. And then the catfish guys come and bring their cameras and they go to actually meet the person because the person keeps avoiding meeting them. And when they finally go, it's not the person they thought. Or it's, you know, some young kid and an old man or, I mean, weird, like weird stuff. But that's a TV show of our culture today. Right? Because, because identity is more wrapped up in the right selfie, come on somebody, than it is who God says that you are. Identity is lack of identity. Next one is the inability to process pain. I think that we're raising our kids softly. And sending them out into a hard world. We, we, we as soon as a, a child falls, it's, oh, 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 listen to me. However you react is how they're going to react. And so what we do is, 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 is because of our own guilt. Now, come on, check yourselves, moms and dads. Because of our own guilt, we overcompensate. We helicopter parent. We do these things. And we don't let them learn life. Get some bumps, do the hard stuff that they're going to have to do when they go out there into the real world. And so, so, so we don't, we have this inability to process pain. So probably one of the best pastimes of our culture right now is wine drinking. Because instead of processing pain, I'll just cover it up with a little red wine. I'll leave that one there. Peer-to-peer mentoring. Peer-to-peer mentoring. In other words, a 16-year-old is having a problem with her boyfriend and she goes to another 16-year-old to ask what she should do. Because 16-year-olds are amazingly brilliant about relationships. Okay, now you laughed. But you call your best friend peer-to-peer and ask them what you should do about your marriage. Ooh, wasn't as much reaction on that one for some reason. Come on, listen to me. We've got to stop that. Peer-to-peer mentoring is not a biblical concept. The Bible talks about having elders in your life. Older, wiser folks in your life that can speak life into you. You need them. Young people, you need some older people talking to you. Old people, you need some even older people talking to you. Right? People that just have gone through life and experienced life. So this, I'm about to give you the announcement I've been looking forward to giving for two years. You ready? Registration is open for man camp. Let me tell you why that fits into this whole peer-to-peer mentoring. Because we're going to have man camp November 22nd and 23rd. We're going to blow things up. We're going to have hatchet throwing and arm wrestling and whatever else we can do to get as close to breaking somebody's leg as we can. Okay. We went out yesterday, looked out on the promise ranch where we're going to camp out. We'll have volleyball court. We'll have, we're going to have canoe races. Uh, It's going to be an absolute blast of just grunting, farting and burping. Okay. Right. But, but here's just the important part for me on Friday night. We're going to have a rite of passage ceremony. 
On Friday night, we're going to take our young men, our 13 through 17-year-olds. And if you sign them up, our 13 to 17-year-olds, what we're going to do is we're going to help you build a tribe around them with their dad, their grandfather, maybe a small group leader, a significant uh, man in this church. And we're going to put five men, and Pastor Mike is number six, that's going to be their tribe. And on Friday night, we're going to call them young men. You're a man now. And each of those men are going to be challenged to write a letter. Now, I've already written samples because I know some of you that just made your butt pucker. You're going to be okay, right? But listen, right? Listen, because you're going to write a letter about your relationships or whatever it is to this young man. And we're going to sit with these young men and commit to be their tribe and carry them through to manhood. And I'm going to say to these young men, these are the men that you call when you don't know what the answer is. Not your friends, not somebody on Facebook, but we're going to build tribes for these young men. And we're going to see a generation grow. Why? Because peer-to-peer mentoring is silly. And we need to stop doing the peer-to-peer mentoring. Is everybody understanding and hear what I'm saying to you? One last one uh, in this list, and that is uh, just a narcissistic culture. Man, it's, it's all about me. Right? Me, mine, my. We're so focused on ourselves because we are sinful beings. Right? Right? Did you know that the research is is young but starting to come out that they're actually starting to consider selfies as a mental illness? And I say that to you to say if that's something that you do or struggle with, that's something for you to be real and concerned about. Because we're, we're trying to find identity. We're trying to find things in wrong things. And it's leading to depression. It's leading to pain. And what we've got to grasp is this idea. Listen to me. Emotions are just like waves. Jen and I went to the beach on Friday. And oh my gosh, between the two storms that went and the one that's coming, the waves were freaky freaky scary so we got out there in the waves because we're brilliant people and um and it was i mean it was just it was just torrential and as i was in those waves i was picturing talking to you guys this morning and thinking you know what this is what emotions are like because i don't know if you've ever tried to to surf or if you've ever been in some big surf but have you ever had a wave just take you just like tumble you under and maybe you can't find the top and that feeling that's what our emotions feel like right It's overwhelming. It just comes in and crashes. But what I need to tell you about a wave is what happens. It crashes on the shore and then what? And then it recedes. And the same thing happens to our emotions. If given enough time. You know a pain that you used to have that doesn't feel as strong as it did when it first happened. And so I need you to hear this. Listen to me. Suicide is a permanent, irreversible attempt to solve a temporary problem. Somebody here needs to hear that this morning. Somebody here needs to hear the reality that it's okay for you to to not be okay. It's okay for you to have the struggles inside of you. Listen to me, it's not okay for you to keep stuffing it down and get to the point where you feel like that that is the answer because it's not, because the emotions will fade. Let me say it to you this way. You do not have to die to end your pain. You don't. You do not have to die to end your pain. Your pain, listen to me, it's real, 
but it will change. It's amazing. We take a lot of counsel from ourselves in times like that. Do you know what I mean by that? Self-talk. You get into that chaos, you get into that fighting with your spouse and dealing with the kids or whatever, and we get into all this self-talk. You know what I'm talking about? We're we're just all this, just, and listen to me, self-talk is dangerous because you'll lie to yourself and you'll make stuff up. Come on, you get mad at somebody and you're thinking about it and you go, well, they probably were mean and blah, blah, blah. You don't know that. You just added to the story. And so before I go on, I, I need to put some, I need to just, I need to give you something because maybe somebody needs it. There's a number. It's 1-800-273-TALK. It's the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. And whether that's you or somebody watching on the, on the computer, please pick up the phone if you need. Please call me or call the church. I said it to the worship team this morning as we were sitting down here talking. I said, I said, guys, listen to me. Please stop doing the whole, Pastor Mike's probably too busy. Because I would rather be interrupted than stand over your casket. Do you know that the young pastor who took his life this week, he reached out to another pastor. And the pastor didn't get back to him. I'm praying for that pastor this morning as well, right? Listen, this is, this is not a them problem. This is an us problem, right? This is, this is the craziness that goes on between our ears. And I just need you to understand that God is not silent on this subject. So let's get into God's word. That's kind of a, a little diatribe about it, but let's get into God's word. What does God's word say? Cause I don't know if you realize this, but God has a lot to say about it. As a matter of fact, there's an entire book called Lamentations, right? If we were going to put that in our vernacular today, it wouldn't have been called Lamentations. It had been like the whiner, right? Because Jeremiah, like he just whines through the whole book. But I want to read a little bit of what he wrote in Lamentations 3 and 17. It says this, I have been deprived of peace. Anybody? I have forgotten what prosperity is. Catch that, forgotten. I forgot what prosperity is. In other words, I forgot what was really important. Maybe I've gotten myself where I'm looking at this world and I see this as prosperity. I see a bank account as prosperity. I see a boat as prosperity. I see whatever as prosperity. And my mind is not on what God calls prosperity for my life. Because each one of us have a different purpose. Jeremiah says, I've forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone. And that I have hoped from the Lord. Listen, I remember, catch this, I remember. In other words, what is he doing? Going back through, going back through. Anybody go back through all the things that you did wrong? Anybody ever waste your time spending thinking about, what if I had done this and if I had done that? Come on, parents, right? You got older children, you're like, if I just, whatever. Listen, I remembered my affliction and my wanderings, the bitterness and the gall. I well remembered them. And my soul is downcast within me. Well, duh, Jeremiah. Of course your soul is downcast. If if that's what you're doing. Psychologists have a term for it, but it's called ruminating. Ruminating. Right? In other words, it's like a cow chewing its cud. You ever seen a cow? 
Like he chews up the grass, swallows it, spits it back up, chews it some more, swallows it, spits it back up. And you know what? We, we, that, that, we go, oh, that's a nasty illustration. And that, listen to me. It's just as nasty within us. When we continue to ruminate, when we continue to bring up, come on, anybody lately, come on. You had an argument with somebody or somebody did something and you spent like a few hours that afternoon. Oh, Why they do this? They should not, they probably, right? It's, it's called, it's called ruminating, right? And it leads to a false reality. Second Corinthians one and eight, Paul writes this. Listen, this is Paul, like pillar of the faith, right? Pillar of the faith. Did Paul deal with these feelings? We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. Paul says, let me tell you a little bit about Asia and what we went through. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. I think the apostle Paul just admitted to us that he thought about suicide. That he thought about ending it all. So let's get real about this. It's a lifestyle related disease that we can be open and honest with. And I'm praying that you'll do that with yourself this morning. I'm praying that at the, at the altar today, that the prayer team will be here and some of you will be brave enough, even though you haven't, to maybe come and pray with somebody and say, this is what I'm dealing with. Because here's what I can guarantee you, this is a safe place. And if you come to pray with somebody, We'll deal with it in, in, in a very caring and, and compassionate way. But I want to tell you about the story of Elijah. And this is how we'll kind of finish out today talking about the story of Elijah. Because because what's amazing is if you read the story of Elijah, I love the story of Elijah. He challenges these prophets of Baal, right? These false gods, these prophets. And there's this standoff. It's like the God face-off, right? That happens. And, and, and the prophets of Baal, they bring a sacrifice. And Elijah brings a sacrifice. And basically, they're going to put it on the altar, pray, and say, Okay, who's ever God burns up the sacrifice must be the real God. Right? So for those of you who know the story, I love the story. Prophets of Baal, they start doing, and they start doing crazy stuff. They're cutting themselves, doing all kinds of wet, running around. Lord knows what they were chanting and their eyes rolling back in their head. Some kind of Indiana Jones scene. You know, you remember that? The heart. Yeah. So, so, so they're doing all this stuff. And I love, cause like at one point Elijah's like, well, where are your gods? Maybe they went to relieve themselves. I mean, that's in the Bible. Like he just mocks them, you know, kind of thing. But eventually, he, he, he says, take my sacrifice and soak it with water so there's no way it can catch on fire. They soak it with water. They pour water. And the fire of God comes down and burns up the sacrifice. Right? And, and Elijah ends up putting all the prophets of Baal to the sword. Like it's, 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 you want to talk about a victory. Right? That's chapter 18. What's crazy is chapter 19, the entire scene changes. Let me say this to you. You know when you're at the most danger to fight depression? When you've just had a big high. When you've just had a big victory. It's the weirdest thing. The worst day of the week for me is Sunday. Because I will go home and battle the rest of the day. You should have said this. Why did you say that? You said butt pucker again. Why did you say that? Like... Right? I mean, and, and, and the enemy will, like, if you had done this, and maybe there should have, you know, there could have been more people that would have come forward and accepted God. If you would, uh, 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 uh. 
Isn't that amazing? And that's the story with Elijah. So chapter 18 is this high of high. And then chapter 19, I'm going to pick up Kings 19 verse 1. Now Ahab, who's the king, told Jezebel, who's the queen. Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. And now he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, may the gods deal with me. Be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, you ain't dead, big boy. And just like that, just the few words of a woman, and all the men said, amen, scared the bejesus out of Elijah. Right? Look, 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 look at the rest of this. One threat and the whole perception, his whole perception of China. It was the crashing wave. You know that wave of emotion that hits you out of nowhere? Fear, desperation. I don't know what to do next. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Mountain high, valley low. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush, sat down under. So he sits down under a tree and he prayed that he might die. I mean, picture this. Let me think about what just happened in his life. And isn't that so true with us? We can have these amazing victories. We can have God do these amazing things in your life. And yet how quickly we turn to the negative. How quickly we find ourselves in the depths. And, 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 and even to the point of asking to die. Listen to this. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Let me give you four things out of this that I think we can relate to. That will help you, I think, maybe deal with depression just a little bit. Number one thing that I see there in Elijah's story is faulty thinking. Faulty thinking. Because see, listen to me, the root of mental disorders is something called strongholds. It's, it's thoughts. Like where, where, have you ever thought about this? Where physically are strongholds? Where are things that capture us? And they're in our mind. They're thoughts. They're, they're faulty thinking that sets itself up as truth and becomes the reality. And you in that time, you have to have somebody else Um, At that point, you're going to need somebody else. I have to be mature enough to recognize that I am not in the right frame of mind for decision making. Come on. We make our worst decisions when we are in crisis. And when you are in crisis, you need some outside thinking. You are the last person that you should trust. And you have to know that your feelings will crash like a wave but they will recede. That's how that works. You're gonna, it's, we have to have each other. And I just gotta be honest, like, for some of us, especially if you're like a D personality like me, I don't really like that. I, I, I got this. Come on, anybody else? I got, I got this. Like, if, I don't need to talk to you, but no, that's not true. Listen to me, that's a lie from the depth of hell. Every single one of us need to have somebody that we can talk to. Need to have somebody that we can spend time with. So this week I went to counsel with Pastor Ron, who's one of our overseers, and I took Jen with me. Right? I was like, all right, Jen's going to come to this. He's like, cool. We sit down and he turns his chair, he looks at Jen, and he goes, all right, what do we need to fix in Mike? (laughs) Never mind, she's going home. 
And, and, and listen, and I tell you this because this is so important for you to catch. He said some things that later in the car, Jen and I agreed, we didn't think were correct necessarily. And then there were other things that I thought, man, that's good. We really need to work on that. Here's why I say that to you. Because we will only take advice if the person's perfect. That's our excuse. Our excuse is, yeah, but did you see how they deal with this? Or did you see that? Or whatever. And listen to me, because we won't let anyone else speak into our life because they're not perfect, we hide. We hide in this place and we sit on our throne like we're bigger and better and better. And so let me give you this. Eat the meat and spit out the bones. Learn to eat the meat and spit out the bones. Learn to go to someone older than you, young person, and let them talk. And inside of your head, you're kind of going, they're crazy. But are you looking for the meat? Right? Are we, are, we have to have outside people speaking life to us. Because when we're in chaos and we're ruminating and we're going through all this stuff, we are not thinking clearly. We are focused on everything that is wrong and everything that is a mess. When Philippians 4 and 8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. What does God say? He says, listen, even in your chaos, even when everything around you, see, when the wave crashes, you've got to find truth. You've got to find right. You've got to find praiseworthy. You've got to find noble. And you know when somebody wrongs you, because that's where most of our pain comes from, right, is other people. You've got to know that you have a choice. You have a mental and emotional choice that you can go down the road of everything that's wrong and they did this and they did that and that's not thinking about truth and praiseworthy and honorable. Or you can say, I choose, listen to me, I choose. I choose to say, God, I need to trust you. You are just. You said you make all things right in the end. God, I'd like to punch them in the face right now. But Romans 12 says, leave room for the wrath of God. See, I'm not telling you to not feel. Are you hearing me? I'm not telling you the, the, the feelings aren't real. What I am saying is where you go with your mind determines the outcome. And the scripture tells us to stay focused on what is true and right and noble and lovely. Number two, number two thing that I see in this story is isolation. Isolation. Some of you are isolated. You're surrounded by people, but you're alone in your thoughts. That's isolation. In other words, there's nobody who knows what you're thinking. That is a dangerous place. You can't trust yourself. Listen, emotions lie. This is why we talk about small groups so much. So let me go another step further. Here's how much I believe that you need to be in a relationship and in a small group. Can I say this to you? I want you in a small group. And we got small groups going right now. So you need to look up and get one, get in one. But listen to me. 
Go to a small group that's from another church. I don't care. I'm not interested in numbers and us building our small group empire or whatever. I'm interested in you getting very real with somebody about what's, what's churning inside of you. Getting very real with, with the struggles that you have and dealing with the thoughts and, the, and, the, and all that. Small groups are necessary. If you're the only one that knows your secrets, then you're in trouble. Please don't be in that place. You don't have to tell everybody, but you need to tell somebody. We got some cool topics for our small groups, right? Like my wife's doing this emotionally healthy spirituality. Uh, Marvin's doing a Roman study. I got a men's group. We're doing a course study. Can I just be honest with you? All that stuff is just a hook. (laughs) That's all it is. It's just a hook. I mean, they're cool topics. But you know, my motivation as a pastor has nothing to do with the whole study and whatever it is. You know, my motivation is that you get into a group and you get relationship and you get real with somebody so that you can say, I need some help. That you find a place where you can trust somebody. Ecclesiastes 4 and 12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. Maybe... Maybe the struggles that you're having right now is because you're too alone. Maybe you're seeing defeat because your fear of past hurts is keeping you isolated from being real with people. I get it. People suck sometimes. Yeah, I'm going to think about that one too. But, but it's important. Listen to me. People are going to let you down. We're going to fail each other. That doesn't mean we don't need each other. That's a really bad excuse to not push in and find friendship. And you will never find yourself healthy trying to do it isolated. You have to have somebody, right? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two strands, uh, two can stand back to back and conquer. Let me ask you, like, what's going on behind me right now? What's on the screen? What do you see? What's on the screen? See, I can't see it. I don't know what's going on on the screen. I don't remember right now what's on the stage. Is my guitar still back there? Yeah, my guitar still... Listen, my point is this. As soon as I turn around here, I'm vulnerable here. Nobody has eyes in the back of their head. You need somebody to have your six. You need somebody to have your back. You've got to have somebody to do that scenario. Two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. Now we're talking about a small group. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You and I were created for relationship. Third thing I see in Elijah that I think we can learn is that I think Elijah is led by his feelings. He's led by his feelings. And and, and I need to say this to you. Feelings are not commands. They're signals. But many of us live like our feelings are commands. In other words, I feel this, I got to do that. Feelings are not commands. Feelings are signals that need to be explored so we can figure out what the next right thing to do to deal with it. You cannot trust your feelings. Right? A marriage built on physical attraction? Come on, married people, that's going away. Can I get an amen? Amen. This thing called gravity kicks in. You know what I'm saying? Right? 
And so if you're all hot and heavy, oh, she's beautiful and all this kind of stuff, well, no wonder it's going to falter. Because listen to me, marriage is not built on chocolate and roses. Marriage is built on commitment. Right? Because we don't do feelings, we do facts. And so he's led by his feelings, John 8 and 32. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Right? The truth will set you free. Bible reading, listen to me, it is essential. Because where else are you going to get God's thoughts from? Where, where else are you going to get his truth from? You're gonna, one, one hour a week, you're going to come here and sit and listen to me. And that's going to combat all the other ideas and thoughts that are coming at you all week long. No way. We, it's, it's essential that you find something to get God's word so that you can deal with and, and, and not have yourself where you're just led by feelings. We're a culture led by feelings just running around trying to make ourselves feel better, right? Do you know one in nine Americans are on some kind of depression medication? One in five used to be. And if you are, please don't take that as some kind of a condemnation of you. I acknowledge your pain and the reality, but here's what I'm saying to you is there is an answer, I believe. And I believe the answer, his name is Jesus Christ. And the reality being that he can lead and break strongholds and take care of things that are inside of you that you've even struggled for for years and years and years, but you cannot be led by your feelings. And then Elijah said this, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Number four is comparison. Comparison. Comparing your miserable moments to someone else's highlight reel is ridiculous. But that is the definition of social media. (laughs) Nobody gets out their phone and puts on Instagram, yo, look at my messy kitchen. No, they, they have a whole new kitchen build out and then they're like, look at this. And then you look at it and decide you need to buy a kitchen that you can't afford. This is, this is comparison. Young people, you see someone get engaged and they do this so cool romantic thing and all, and all of a sudden it's got, have y'all noticed like, um, like, like gender reveals that it needed to get bigger and bigger and bigger? That's a comparison thing. Proposals? Come on, what happened to the good old get on your knee and propose, boy? I mean, but we gotta do this and fly here and do, cause we're like, I don't know, we're trying to be the bachelor or something. That's comparison. That's that's just just comparison. And and, and I need you to to understand, nobody's life is is as good as it looks on Instagram. Nobody's. It's a false reality. You know, I've got a picture of my girls on the top of uh, my Facebook page, if you've seen it. And it's this gorgeous picture of them. And the sun's in the background, and their, their hair's kind of, a little bit wafting in the wind, like, and they, they look gorgeous. And I'm sure people look at that just like, oh, the Matheny family. You hadn't been at our house lately. Cause can I tell you, my girls are teenagers just as much as yours are teenagers. Right? We often think two, two out of three ain't bad. Like, where could we put the body? Come on, come on, listen. And I, and I really need you to hear that because I do think that we, 
We do this comparison thing. And, and I mean, I challenge you, you older folks, villagers, or you seniors. Like, is my retirement as good as their retirement? Are my activities as good as their? I mean, th- we, we live in this world of comparison and this craziness. And I need you to hear, there is only one person that, that you need to be concerned about being in your audience. And that is your heavenly father. Because one day you're going to stand before him and all them people ain't going to be there. And the only thing I need to be concerned about is am I pleasing God? Galatians 1 and 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Right? That we would, we would focus on him. Let me, let me go back to our King's passage and pick up in verse 5. The story goes on with Elijah and it says this. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. <laughs> That's a word for somebody today. Come on. He, he laid down. Come, somebody needs to take a nap today. Come on. And all the men said, Amen. And I'm going to encourage you to do that. Because you were never meant for this frenzied, fast-paced, fast food, crazy life that you're living. It's not what you were created for. And the reason that you feel like less of a man is because you're trying to create, keep up with something that is a false reality. The reason you feel like less of a mom is because you're trying to keep up with some kind of Instagram scenario. Or some woman that you've heard about. Listen to me. Those people that we put on a pedestal, they don't just put their pants on one leg at a time. Sometimes they put them on backwards. Like their families and their their stuff is just as jacked up as yours. They have just as many struggles. They have just as many wrestles. We all are in this together. Then he laid down in the bush and fell asleep. Somebody needs to take a nap today. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over some hot coals. And in my version, there's some butter. You know what I'm saying? That's for all you paleo people. Anyway, and a jar of water. And he ate and drank, and then he laid down again. Somebody needs to claim this as a life verse. Eat, drink, take a nap. Get up, eat, drink, take a nap. You know know what I'm saying? And listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. I'm going to suggest you do that today. I'm going to suggest you do that today. In other words, here's what I want you to do. Men, I want you to go home, turn on golf, and not watch any of it. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Because when you wake up, they'll be doing the same exact thing. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Somebody needs to rest. To find ourselves, instead of this crazy, frenzied pace of trying to keep up with everybody in the world. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat. Amen, brother. That's what I'm talking about. For the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the rest of the story, you can read for yourself down through verse 19. But God ministered to him. God was found in the moment of a still small whisper. And you haven't heard God or experienced God lately because you haven't been quiet enough to hear Him. You need to rest. That's why we do Sabbath. Listen to me. Today is the Sabbath. 
That doesn't mean you go to church and then go home and try to get caught up everything. Hey, hey ladies, the laundry will be there tomorrow. I'm serious when I say this. I'm being serious. I'm not being silly or hokey. I want you to go home and take a nap today. Rest. Chill out. Encourage your husband to take a nap today. And the men said, amen. Right? But listen, I'm, I'm serious. Like, slow down. I had the weirdest sensation. You know how you have something just kind of hit you that it's simple and yet it's weird, profound for you? I was driving down the road right here in front of Leesburg High School headed towards the house this week. <laughs> and I was driving hurry. Surprise, surprise. And, I, you know, and I'm kind of, you know, doing the Pastor Mike in a hurry thing. And all of a sudden it hit me. Okay, wait, 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 wait. You're going to die. You're going to go to heaven. Then God's going to make a new earth, put you on that earth forever. Why are you in a hurry today? And that was, I don't know, for me. Maybe you'll look at me and say, well, that's just weird, of course, no doubt. But for me, it was a profound moment to go, why am I in such a rush? Why am I chasing my tail? Why are you chasing your tail? God's got all things under control. And we're causing our own mental health issues and our own depression and our own struggles. So four final thoughts, and I'm going to blow three of these and close out. Four, four more quick thoughts. For those of you that are still battling saying, yeah, but Pastor Mike, you don't know my situation and it's different. And you're right, I don't. But I do know it is lifestyle related. So let me give you a few lifestyle things that maybe could help you. Number one, I need you to get healthy physically. I need you to get healthy physically. And the number one way I'm going to get you to do that is to rest. Rest. I didn't say be lazy. I said rest. Go home and take a nap today. Go home and relax and rest. Go home and have a long meal today with your family. Eat, drink, take a nap, get up tonight and eat and drink. And we're biblical, right? It's what God told us today. And I'm being serious. Like, you need to, you need to, you need to get this thing under control. Because this thing is killing your life. This thing is, is changing the, the, the trajectory of your life. Because you can't do the things that you want to do. And so I, I need you to think about getting yourself together physically and getting healthy physically. Psalm 127 and 2. In vain you rise up early and stay up late. Toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. rest. Elijah said a lot of nonsense to God. And what was so funny was God was okay with it, you know? Um, and so here's what I'll say to you. God can handle your stuff. So number two is pour your heart out to God. And I would put in parentheses and his people pour your heart out to God and his people. He can take it. If you keep it all inside, the devil is going to have a heyday with you. Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle, humble in heart and I will find rest for your souls. I love that. I will find rest for your soul. 
You know what that means? Just come. So like in just a little bit, come. I, I challenge you, come pray with someone at the altar today and pour your heart out to them and pour your heart out to God. And he said, I will find rest for your soul. Not your responsibility to find the rest, but that God will, will grant you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Number three, we've got to seek the power and the presence of God. We've got to seek it. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just come out of nowhere. See, we, we try to create a scenario here on Sunday mornings. I, I want to create an atmosphere that's different from the atmosphere that you're going to experience when you leave here in just a little bit. Because I want to create an atmosphere that's, that is conducive with you connecting with God. Let me ask you, how often do you create atmospheres in your life where you can connect with God? See, you got to seek it. You need a place to meet with God. You need a chair that you meet with Him. You need a restaurant that you go have coffee with God. You need to put it on your schedule. You need to create that scenario because it's not just going to, it's just not going to happen. You have to figure out in your life how to turn down the world's volume in your life. The world is really loud. Would you not agree? So many messages, so many things coming at you. Of course, we're struggling with what's between our ears and we're fighting with depression and faulty thinking and thoughts and comparison and all this stuff. You got to turn down the volume of the world. That's why you got to have Sabbath. That's why you got to be still. That's why you're here this morning. I'm kind of preaching at the choir because you're here this morning because in this moment we're sitting here and hopefully we're not thinking about all the other stuff. But God has our attention and we're trying to connect with him and understand a little bit more about him and ourselves so we can grow and be who he's called us to be. Got to seek. Psalm 46 and 10. He says, be still. I want to point out something to you. It says, be still, comma. Be still. Be still. Be still. And then you'll know that I'm God. Be still. If I sat here right now for long enough in silence, you would start to squirm. And that's because you've been programmed to run a frenzied, crazy life. And it is the exact opposite. Of being still and knowing that he is God. We have to ask God to help us to be still. Sit still. Anybody else? When you start praying, the next thing you know, you're preparing your grocery list. Anybody else? When when you're trying to talk to God or trying to read the Bible, next thing you know, the kids come in and this is going or something else. It's our inability to, to, to be still. And so would you begin to fight for that in your life? Be still and know that I'm God. Number four, and this is where I'll close, receive new purpose and direction for your life. What makes us successful is not being perfect because that is never going to happen. It is living for something bigger than ourselves. Something more. See, we don't have a dream team to just fill volunteer positions. It's because we all need to serve others so we can get beyond our own stuff. 
It's amazing how you can be in chaos, go serve someone else, and God deals with your chaos. And that's the idea. Second Corinthians, therefore do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. Can I get an amen on that one? Anybody looked in the mirror lately and been like, what in the world is going on? Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. How? How are we being renewed? For our light and our momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Man, to have eternal vision, God help me. Help me with my faulty thinking. Help me with my comparison. Help me, God, that I'm led by feelings instead of the reality of your truth and who you are. And this is how we begin to overcome. No such thing as a perfect life. Life is painful and the struggle is very real. Amen? I struggle and fight depression sometimes. Sometimes I just want to quit. In the short two years of this church, I don't know how many times I've wanted to quit, to be honest. And I don't know if that messes you up or not. But I just need to be that honest with you because I need you to know that I'm in the same boat as you. That I have the days that I get up and I go, what do I have to do today? Oh, today's Sunday, I got church. Right? That that struggle is, is, is very, very real. But that is usually when I have gotten alone in my thoughts. When it's just Mike processing these things and I focus in instead of focusing on what God wants of me. Can we focus on him for just a moment? Can can you take whatever it is that you're wrestling with right now? Let's just put it down for a second. And I want to sing this song that we sang a little while ago. It's called, Great Are You, Lord, that we might focus our mind and say, no matter what I feel right now, what's going on inside of me, I just want to sing these words. Can we sing these? You give life. Can you sing these words? You are life. You are love. You bring life to the darkness. You give hope. Come on, church. Sing with us. You Stand up with us. Let's commit this to God today. We're going to sing through those words again. Let's sing that verse one more time. Let's sing that verse. Come on, church. Above and beyond your feelings. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. Pour out our praise. It's your breath in our we just come before you we acknowledge pain today there's plenty of people here with struggles fighting depression 
fighting all kinds of different things. So we come desperate for you. Help us with our faulty thinking, with our comparison, with all the struggles of wrong thoughts and things that have been put inside of our heads. We want your truth about who we are. For those that might feel far from you today, that they would choose to step in towards you today. And if that's you today, I I just want to challenge you in just a few minutes. Prayer team's going to be here and they would love to pray with you. And you need to talk to somebody. You need to tell somebody. If today you need to give your heart to Jesus for the very first time, somebody would love to pray that with you. We had some somebody come forward last week and give her heart to the Lord for the very first time. She was so excited. Be the best decision you've ever made. Be the greatest thing that ever ha- happened to your mental health, I promise.